You're listening to Work in Progress. I'm Ramona Schindelheim, Editor-in-Chief of Working Nation. Work in Progress explores the rapidly changing workplace through conversations with innovators, educators, and decision makers, people with solutions to today's workforce challenges. At Working Nation, we've talked a lot about the unequal access to opportunity and prosperity in the U.S. One group that has lagged far behind is Native Americans, a group which has experienced chronic unemployment and brain drain from the tribal lands. But there's a new initiative that's focused on turning that around. Last month, I attended the annual ASU GSV Summit. And there I spoke with Moroni Benali, a member of the Navajo Nation and head of public policy and partnerships at AspireAbility. Joining us in that conversation was Amber Garrison-Duncan, Executive Vice President of CBEN. They shared details of a new venture for promoting economic mobility called the Navajo Nation Talent Marketplace. I started out by asking Benali to describe this venture. So you guys just have come out with a new uh, initiative, a talent marketplace for the Navajo Nation. Explain to me what that means. At least for the Navajo Nation, I think in a word, it's, um, well, the Navajo word that they've been using is chana, which means resilience and full of hope. And so in my mind, that's the first thing that pops in my mind, at least from the Navajo Nation. That's what that represents. But in practice, it's, at least for Indian country, at least for the Navajo Nation, the talent marketplace has first identified a functioning labor market for the first time. They have data. We have now have data on the jobs market in the Navajo Nation, which wasn't there before. That's incredible because I do know that, that, I mean, I look at the labor numbers. I'm a little bit of a labor department nerd, yeah. and I have never seen that before. Right, right. And so, so part of that is, and, and that's a, a necessary step for the whole talent marketplace is understanding what jobs are out there in the Navajo Nation already, because we hear a lot of these um, entrenched uh, um, tropes of Indian country, of high unemployment, and, and which, which it, it's true. Um, but part of that high, those high employment numbers, and, and I think also part of why there's this stereotype, this myth that there are no jobs in Indian country, in part is because no one has put forth the effort to actually identify the jobs. And so up to, up to about a year ago, we were operating on the assumption that the Navajo Nation was only creating about 100 to 100 to 200 jobs a year, which is like based on data that we could find. But based on what we've done is we found 2,100 available vacant jobs in the private sector in the Navajo Nation. There's another 2,000 that are in the public sector, government jobs. And so what we're finding is that there are jobs available, but, but it gets back to this talent marketplace of this broken job market, right? We have the, and everyone's, I, I'm now knowing everyone's trying to do this in different ways, right? Is connecting the learners to the education institutions and then, and then uh, connecting them to the employers. I do know about like Dene College and how they work with Arizona State University. There's a water quality program. And I, we've written about that one. And I thought that was like a very interesting insight into what was going on there that I didn't know about. So, so tell me how you guys are working with the other educational institutions and with the nation. 
Yeah, our view is to start with, since the focus of the project is to make sure people know that there are jobs at home, to know that there is quality education available on the reservation. A lot of times what we were hearing is that people thought they had to leave the reservation to find education and work. And as we are talking with education providers, employers, trying to say, we want our people to know there are quality things happening here at home. But the first thing that happened when we took the job board to the colleges was they were like, oh my goodness, thank you, because they knew that there were going to be open jobs, but they did not know what they were going to, how to prepare people for what jobs were out there, because again, it wasn't clear what those jobs were. So the first thing we're doing is, is working with the colleges to bring the job board to them, to bring those discrete knowledge, skills, abilities, things that people will have to know and be able to do to perform those jobs, and just realigning the curriculum. But what I will tell you is everything we've seen so far is that the quality of what is happening is, is high quality. It's also done in a culturally relevant way for Navajo. The indigenous ways of knowing and doing are highly honored. And so it really compl is complementary to CBE because an indigenous ways of learning is, not, is all about doing. And it's all about getting out and trying and practicing and getting feedback. And so the model is highly complementary to the competency-based education model. And so we're partnering with the colleges to, again, take those competency skill set, make sure the curriculum are, are aligned, and then working with the career advisors and the navigators to help the, connect them right back to the, the open jobs so that people can stay at home and, and find meaningful work on the, on the reservation. And that restorative process, I would love for you to be able to talk about, because I think it, it certainly moves me and the reason why our work, but why is that so meaningful for, for folks? So this talent marketplace is one, just an incredible innovation and it just within Navajo, in the Navajo Nation, but in Indian country as well. And, and what it gets back to what Amber was talking about was, that, so, so I grew up on the Navajo Nation and did all these things and grew up with electricity, running water, we had, you know, all of that. And we were constantly told when we were young by, by our elders, Nahaditoth is what they always say. Nahaditoth means you go away, but you come back and, and return and bring all of these things that, that the holy people have blessed you with to bring now to bless us. So it was like, come back and return. And so I went to Stanford, got all this education, thought I'd, you know, easily get in there and... I could not get a job in the Navajo Nation, not in the government because of these qualifications. I, I think I remember one time I applied for this job and I didn't fully have all the, the skills to, to operate the Microsoft suite. I had all the other competencies, but that was the one that I didn't have and I was therefore not qualified. I did not qualify for the job with the Navajo Nation because I missed that. I'm like, oh, I've got this degree from Stanford and economics and all this stuff, but yet I don't know how to operate PowerPoint. So that was really troubling, right? It's just like, how do, how do I come back and return when there's nothing to return home to? And so part of what Amber is talking about is like, so what AspireAbility has done is they're, they're being guided by this indigenous Navajo framework called meaning a return to goodness, resilience, harmony, and balance. So we're thinking about that in this like very holistic way with AspireAbility. And one of those dimensions uh, of that harmony and balance is, is what they call nihigal, or they, they call it this holy movement for you to sustain yourself and sustain your community. 
but we don't have any training on how they can sustain themselves or jobs to get them into sustain themselves. And so Spireability is coming in with CBEN and saying, how can we fix this? And that talent marketplace at least represents a return back to that state of allowing people to come home and fulfill that mandate of of come back and bring your goodness. Because that even now is broken in, in, in this Navajo, in the Navajo Nation. These are the ideas that, and, and thoughts that, that I have, and it's shared with a lot of folks in the Navajo Nation as well. You brought up a point earlier that we didn't know these jobs existed, right? So what jobs do exist? Because I think, obviously, that's going to be the catalyst for what kind of education and training is going to happen. Right. There are two, two parts to that question, and it gets to what, what jobs exist, is, is that with most rural areas and, and with reservations in particular, because they're so constrained by federal rules and regulations, that even simple access to land, to access capital, becomes a seven-year challenge. And as a result of that, a lot of the jobs are funded by federal grant programs. So the Navajo Nation's annual budget is like $1.6 billion, about 70% of that comes from federal grant programs. And so that then tends to drive a lot of the jobs. So there's healthcare jobs, there's public housing jobs, construction jobs, and a lot of education. And part of the, the context that tribes are in is that the federal constraints have severely limited the activity of the private sector to create different types of markets, to bring in different types of jobs. And so part of what Aspireability is doing and this is what I think is part of the unique part with this is that Aspireability recognized an opportunity when the Navajo Nation received several billion dollars in ARPA money during the COVID, and they've allocated about 500 million of that through to broadband, to expand broadband across the Navajo Nation. And we thought, well, why can't we attach ourselves to that and bring remote jobs into the Navajo Nation to leapfrog over all of those federal constraints? because they already have the clearances. They've already done all they need to do to expand broadband. And while they're doing that, we give them these remote jobs and train them to do that. And, and have you taken that step already? Has that broadband come in already? Oh, yeah, yeah. So right now the broadband is expanding. It's being pushed out across the Navajo Nation. And they're expecting to have all of that completed in the next several years, two to three years. And now that you know about this, right, this expansion, and you know what kind of jobs are there, what do you do, Amber? In the remote jobs, a lot of those are leaning on cybersecurity type of jobs. Even um, hearing from the tribal entities themselves, like the tribal uh, utility, they need cybersecurity. So that's a nice place to, to provide lots of training when you know you've got jobs on the res and jobs that can be brought in that are remote. There's also opportunities to think about Salesforce and Google and AWS, all of those components of now I can live at home and perform those jobs. Uh, so that's where our step is to take, again, those job descriptions, break them down into different bite size of competencies and skills, but it also opens the door for online learning. Navajo is huge. 
<laughs> as a reservation, it's the largest reservation in the country and, and individuals are spread out all over. They will drive two hours to go to school. So now uh, having broadband access and being able to, to maybe do some of this online and hybrid and maybe tap into uh, some of the chapters, which is kind of how Navajo breaks down their counties, uh, we'll be able to provide using a competency-based model, more flexible, accessible way for Navajos to get uh, training through the entities on, you know, on Navajo, through Diné, through Navajo Tech, using a competency-based model. Did you want to say, add something to it? Just to, to, to that point, last week we secured our very first employer in the Navajo Nation, which is the Housing Authority, and they've got a couple hundred million dollars in ARPA funds that they need to spend to build houses across the Navajo Nation. And so this is our first employer that Aspire to be able to be working with and with the colleges. Now you say they have to build houses. So trade skills? Definitely in construction, carpentry, a lot of the trades. Um, so what's interesting is Navajo Nation has been thoughtful of Navajo Tech University and Diné University. Navajo Tech tends to cover some of the more, again, technical, all the way up to, you know, it's a research university. So as you can imagine, what's nice is we can get somebody on a path with a certificate or an industry certification and then continue on learning onto their associate's degree, their bachelor's degree. They could do that all in one place. So that's also something we'll make sure those pathways are built all the way up. Certainly those on-ramps are in the trades, again, around construction, you know, home building, general contracting, welding, obviously, is a big piece. So thinking about all of those, those training components. And on healthcare, are there res-based facilities that people could work at? Yes, definitely. To me, the healthcare and the early child care really is similar on Navajo as it is in most of the states we're working in, is that there's a real worker shortage in early child care education, daycare centers, things like that. Um, also in their healthcare around nursing and having those pathways into jobs. But there are jobs, there's hospitals, child care facilities. One thing I love about visiting Navajo is, you know, in education we talk a lot about there's no child care centers on campus. That's one of the first buildings you see when you get to Navajo Tech is a child care center. Um, and so being able to help uplift and train Navajo who are working in the, those two fields in particular is a high need. And so we'll be able to help support that. Emma Rowan, I, I want to ask you, when you talk about this return, this spirit of returning and creating you know, that on the reservation, do you hope that people will stay and build those out? Is this a way to create more financial stability there? Oh, absolutely. How I came to AspireAbility. So i still finishing my dissertation, but I was teaching at a college, public policy, and I, I've been working in uh, just doing handling policy for tribes for a number of years. So I'm finishing my PhD sometime. I don't know when. <laughs> I've been dissertating for a couple of years. Uh, so the founder, so the CEO, John Mott, was my professor at BYU about 20 some odd years ago. I was in his master's of public policy. So that's how we got to know each other. And over the years, we just kept in touch. And about five years ago, it was like two years, maybe two or three years before the pandemic, uh, he had approached me with this idea. And, was, and so we talked about the, the, the possibility of how the idea at the time could impact the Navajo Nation. And having grown up in advice, so I'm also the uh, government affairs representative to the state of Utah for the Navajo Nation, so I handle the whole legislative portfolio. And so when I hear these ideas of people coming and saying, hey, we have this idea that's going to save the Navajo Nation, and I look at that and I'm like, okay, one, do you have the necessary capital and will 
to nurture this relationship for 18 months before you see anything. Two, are you doing this to simply, and nothing bad about this, but simply just to get your own personal gain out of it? Or is there something that you're gonna leave behind that will build the community, that will actually shift and change the institutional framework of the Navajo Nation? And when I saw that, I'm like, this is a game changer. When we talk about nation building, we talk about institutions that keep development stagnant, this talent marketplace pushes on those policies and forces them to change. And so we're already seeing that right now in the Navajo Nation. And part of what we're doing, they're reevaluating how they do their qualifications just for the jobs in the Navajo Nation in internal policy shift. So there's conversations about that already happening. And, and then we're working with the tribal council and they're trying to rebuild and shift institutions so that this program can be successful. So for me, when I, when I look at that, when that idea came, I, I immediately saw these long-term institutional changes that, that are requisite for the Navajo Nation to not only shift out of heavily-based government jobs, but to diversify the types of jobs available, but more than that, but also to give an opportunity for our people to have a thriving living wage and also to bring our people home. So there are about 170,000 Navajos that live in the reservation, but there are 400,000 total. So three quarters of us live off the Navajo Nation because they're the under, under the impression that there are no opportunities for them there. So my example, I left and I was living in Seattle, working there and, and partly working with Aspirability. This was a couple of years ago and I, I came, I went home to visit my home in the reservation, middle of nowhere, it's about seven miles off the beaten path. I grew up with no electricity and all that. I get home, the whole thing is like lit up. But it's also lit up with broadband in my little community. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can move home. I can do my job from home. And that's what propelled this idea. And I, I moved home. And now I work at home in the middle of nowhere. I have broadband. I'm able to do Zoom meetings and all these other things from home. And that's the idea. We want to be able to provide a space to bring our people back home to really build a nation and to fulfill that, that mandate that our elders gave us of of come home and bring the goodness that you have. But we're starting. And uh, all I know is that the Navajo Nation is, is excited. They're cautious, and, and that's fair, given a number of organizations that come in and they do their thing and they leave, and, and there's rarely a mark that they were there. But part of what, what we're doing with Aspireability is we're coming in, we're building the capacity, and we have an exit date when we're going to hand everything over to the tribe, to the members of uh, our Navajos, whether they're in the tribe or not, or in the government or not, and allow them to do this themselves. Because in the end, that's really what um, another Navajo word, ego, meaning that if something must be done to achieve that, beautiful state that proverb says well it's up to me to do that and that's where we want the Navajo Nation to be if we want to achieve that beautiful state we're going to give them the tools for them to do it themselves how are you funding this how are you making this all happen you know this is a, a reflection of public-private partnership I think what we have is um, organizations so you know it's interesting we're a nonprofit. Spireability is a you know, new ed tech firm. We have funding from a private foundation. 
We have funding from Navajo themselves. We have each of our organizations are kind of doing in-kind pieces to make this all come to be. We have other requests into other private foundations, um, but there is uh, legislation coming forward from the Tribal Council itself to really fund the bulk of the work with the colleges so that this becomes, again, something that is sustainable over time and that it is, you know, we do we use our public-private partnership to jumpstart and then move into longer term of this is we're guidance versus, you know, having to, to do a lot of the work. And over what kind of time frame do you see this all happening? We have our current funding for <laughs> for two years. And then we will have to to reassess, certainly. But that's why, too, we're working uh, clearly with the Tribal Council to secure that, again, doing our own grant funding and finding ways for this to be sustained. The other thing I would say for with the colleges is, from a CBEN perspective, this is something that colleges are investing in themselves as well to make sure that they are providing relevant training and are able to serve their students. And so the colleges themselves also, I think, are very interested in investing their time and talents, whatever it is that can come to the to the table. That was my conversation with Moroni Benali and Amber Garrison Duncan, who shared details of this new initiative, the Navajo Nation Talent Marketplace. I'm Ramona Schindelheim, Editor-in-Chief of Working Nation. Thank you for listening. <laughs>